It is great to see you. Welcome to the teaching time. Those of you connected online, oh my word, all the way to South Korea, California, scads of folks in Michigan, Illinois, and Iowa, I think Wisconsin, I might have left a state or two out, but thrilled that you're in the moment. Now, if you're in the worship center or if you're connected in another setting, I hope uh, you have an ornament with you. So take a little time in your home settings to go find an ornament if you need. And uh, if, if the ushers, if you want to do one last little walk through anytime, feel free to do that. Uh, get a slip of paper. Now, this, this may well be the pastor's favorite Sunday. I have a hard time picking favorites, you know, but, but this is like, this is a top shelf kind of Sunday experience when we take ornaments and we put them on the Christmas trees and we put our prayer requests inside. And now these are the Christmas prayer trees. If you've experienced this before, if you've done this before, can you raise your hand? All right, all right. Okay, do we have any rookies in the room? Any rookies for this? Cool, okay. All right, rookies, here, here's what you do. You pop the top. You know what it's like to pop the top. Pop the top off if you need to. Pop the top off the ornament. And this is, you should have a little slip of paper. You're going to write a big prayer request. All right, the kind of thing that, well, if we give God a year, Let's give God a year on this one, and God could do it instantaneously, but you might say, you know, by this time next year, I would love to see this happen. I'm going to give you, uh, that's the instruction so far, and I'm going to ask, you know, you can kind of wait to see how God exactly gels that in you before you write that on. And on the other side, this is the first time we're going to do this. On the other side, we want you to put down some kind of, of, of praise. I'll give you a little more instruction on that later as well. Hope. Reflecting hope, the advent of hope. What we're going to study today is the words of the angels that were given in the Gospel of Luke, three specific times, and every time they give a, a word, there's, there's a message of hope. We're also going to give a periphery look in the Gospel of Matthew uh, when the angels spoke there as well. From Luke chapter 1, hear the word of the Lord. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. And here's what we learn about Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were righteous people, they were childless people, and they were old people. That's what comes out next. And Zechariah, good old Zach, he was chosen by Lot. He won the lottery at work, which meant he got a very, very special task. He was to go into the Holy of Holies. He was to offer prayers and burn incense before the Lord. It was a, a, a distinguished time. Only one person once a year is going to enter in for this specific task. And it's so sacred that just as a precautionary measure, in case the priests were to kind of meet his demise in that moment, they played a rope or dope game with him. They tied a rope around him in case he would kick the bucket while he's inside of, of natural causes or who knows, maybe he would displease God somehow as he's offering these prayers. And there's worshipers outside that are worshiping in the moment while the priest is in the Holy of Holies. And if he takes too long, he took quite a while. It didn't sound like they tugged on the rope yet, but they got a little bit concerned. And here's what was going down when he was in there. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Friend, may I tell you that your prayer has been heard. 
your prayer has been heard. I don't know what your prayer is, but I know the word of God says that your prayer has been heard. And you can walk out today with hope knowing that God has heard your prayer. Specifically to Zechariah, he says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. And now Zechariah goes, I'm not so sure about this. I'm pretty old. Liz is pretty old. And uh, the angel says, I am Gabriel. You can just hear the contempt in his voice. And I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you. And now I tell you what, you're going to be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth are going to be the parents of John the Baptist, who is a cousin of Jesus, who is going to tell folks that the Messiah is here, has come, and, and he's going to have this amazing, blessed ministry. Now, Elizabeth gets nine whole months of no back talk of any kind from Zechariah. And I, I know we can maybe look at this as a blessing because what's he going to say? Like, come on, Zechariah, we're going to the craft store. Let's go. All right, but, uh, you know, and, and we can joke that it's a blessing. It had to have been a hassle for Elizabeth as well, but they went through nine months of that. John is born, and they ask his mom, because she's the one who's speaking, so what shall his name be? He'll be called John. And they go, yeah, that's not a family name. Let's ask dad. And he writes, his name will be John. And in the moment that he writes that, he is given his voice back. As he is given his voice back, he bursts forth into song and sings this amazing word of praise. It's recorded in Luke chapter one. It's known as the Benedictus. You can find it in the Book of Common Prayer as well. And the good old Anglicans every morning, this is part of the ritual. They will look at Zachariah's song as a way that we ought to begin our day in morning prayer prayers and refer to that as that is a great start. That is a great word of praise. That's a great moment to hold on to and remember. As we do our study today, we're going to spell out hope and uh, we're going to do it uh, like yoga exercise style. All right. So we're going to make an H together and just hold the pose. Okay. Hold the pose until, until let me, let me declare what it is. So this is the pose here. Hang on with it. There we go. There we go. Hold the pose. You're making an H. All right. Okay. So the H factor is this. You're going to go from hopelessness to hope. All right. Let go of the pose. Now that seems pretty simple. That's the overarching theme of what's taking place as the angels speak from one key individual to the next, that God wants to take you from a hopeless to a hopeful place. We are reminded in Advent that hope, not hopelessness, is to be our reality. In fact, could you do this? Would you tell the person next to you, or if you need to tell yourself, if you're just say, hope is your reality. Would you tell that to the person next to, to you? Just remind them, hope is your reality. It is. So if you're feeling hopeless, there winds up being a reason for this. And Nate, if you would be so kind to go back to that very first slide, if you can do that. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, we just, we just, we just ran right through that, didn't we? 
In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Basically, what the gospel writer is telling us, in a really hopeless time, there was someone named Zechariah who was doing priestly work. Let me just talk about Herod for a little bit, because anybody who would have originally read this would have gone, oh, during that era. Uh, King Herod, I'll, I'll set it up this way. Years ago, there was a cantata. And my good friend, Jim Reed, was playing the part. This happened to have a King Herod in it. Not many cantatas have a King Herod in it, by the way. But this one did. Jim was about 30 years of age. He was a former linebacker. He's a big, strong, good-looking dude. Shaved his head and the whole bit there. And he had a big baritone voice. He was dressed in these regal robes. And he's going to sing this song that he's, he's the king. There's going to be no rivals to his throne, you know? Kind of the wise men came in and go, yeah, that's all good, but that's a bunch of shenanigans. I'm the king, and it's this big, booming, powerful, oh my stars. This guy is going to do everything he can to hang on to whatever he's got. And his three-year-old son, Jim, Jim Reed, his three-year-old son who's playing Herod, is sitting right in front of me on the front row, just expectantly watching his father because his dad's in a play. And his dad sang that song really, really well. And his son looks at his mom and goes, oh, Mama, is he a bad king? Oh, he's a bad king. Okay, and your dad's a good, good man, but King Herod is a bad, bad king. And so you didn't want to be Herod's brother or a son or a nephew, any kind of kinfolk, or basically he's doing away with you at some point in time in his life. You didn't want to be uh, someone who uh, appeared to be a rival to King Herod in any kind of way. He would just do away with you in some kind of edict. In fact, when King Herod died, I should have looked this up specifically, but it's a significant number of people, like 100 or 200 people. When he died, he declared that those leaders in the city of Jerusalem, they would be put to death as well because no one was going to shed a tear when he died, but he wanted there to be weeping and mourning in the city of Jerusalem on the day that he passed away. He's a bad king. In the day of King Herod of Judea, there's a priest named Zechariah. Can we contextualize this to your situation a little bit? Example being, in the time of the recession, there's a nurse named Heather. In in the time of hospice care, there's a son named Julian. In whatever kind of transition, in whatever kind of job loss, in whatever kind of downturn in the economy, in whatever kind of, kind of hurt or heartache or season that you're facing, insert your name there. And God will meet you in that moment. You can move from hopeless to hope. See, for Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were in this, yeah, this thing we really wanted, it ain't going to happen. Not going to happen. So some of you are experiencing something that you wish would happen, but just isn't. Some of you, like Mary and Joseph, are experiencing, oh no, that just happened. I wasn't expecting this, but it just happened. And now what do we do? Some of you, like the shepherds, what we indicate from the slice that we get from their encounter with the angels, I don't know, not much happening. It's like nothing happens. And that can seem hopeless as well. As we come to the Advent 
table during this Christmas season. Last year, we talked about how we need to light a fire under ourselves. We need to light a fire of hope. And that's, that's a good word. And this year, what we're going to do is say, now that this candle is lit, it is hope that God instills within you. And now you reflect this. You need to reflect the hope that God gives you. So God has given you hope. So you need to reflect it and live it and shine it. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. It's a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and her name's Mary. And the angel says to her, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. And Mary goes, how in the blue blazons will this be? I'm a gal who's a virgin. And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then even Elizabeth, who's your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And it seemed that she was unable to conceive. No word from God will ever fall. Nothing's impossible with God. And Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel leaves. Here's the O factor. Can you make an O? Here's our yoga pose for O. Okay, oh, you got it? All right, all right, here we go. Oh, this is where we go from overshadowed, hold that pose, to obedient. Good job. From overshadowed by God to obedient. Now, it's not an opposite. Like hopelessness to hope, that's an opposite. This is where we build upon the foundation. See, God is overshadowing your situation. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. God is overshadowing the situation of Zachariah and Elizabeth and of Mary and Joseph and of the shepherds in your situation. But, but we need to step forth with obedience into the situations that God is overshadowing. So Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Um, when the shepherds heard the good news, they went, oh, let's go to Jerusalem and check it out. Uh, let's go to Bethlehem and check it out. And they went, oh, let's go tell everybody about this. That, that, that was phenomenal. When, when Joseph encountered the angel in a dream, it was like, hey, Joe, marry that girl. He goes, you got it. And so he, he moves forward and does this. The wise men were told in a dream, you need to take a different route. They go, okay, we're going to go a different way than we came. We're not going to go back and tell Herod about this situation here at all. I'm reminded of the disciple Philip in the book of Acts. And partly because I, I saw this little, this little cartoon sketch of how Philip responded as the Spirit of God would move him. And so I've got this little cartoon in my head that I want to tell you about. So Philip was supposed to go down to the desert road by Gaza. And our little cartoon, Philip just goes, well, I can do that. He just goes, so he goes there. He, he gets down to that road where he's supposed to be. And when he gets down to that road, the desert road, by Gaza, he notices that a chariot's going by. And in this chariot, there's an individual who's reading from a scroll. It happens to be from the, from the prophet Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. And the Spirit of God says, now, now go, you, you, you hustle down to that chariot. Well, I can do that. There's a guy who hustles down to that chariot there. And then when he gets there, the individual says, who's reading the scroll? 
I don't really understand it. Is this person talking about himself or someone else? And it's, it's talking about Jesus Christ. And, and Philip goes, well, I can explain that. And he jumps in. So I just want you to know that when God is overshadowing your situation, and God is overshadowing your situation, the things that you are prompted and led to do are oftentimes not arduous. You just need to move yourself and have the kind of attitude. You go, oh, I can do that. Oh, this one. Well, I can do that. And it is amazing what kind of, how, how hope is not only instilled, but the reality of what you long for becomes to be realized in those moments. James 5.16 says this, the effective fervent prayers of a righteous person avail much. Um, what we do today by taking prayer requests, putting them in the ornaments, placing them on the Christmas trees. Twelfth year, we've done it. It's fervency. There's endurance to this. We're just not quitting. We're just not stopping. We continue to seek God's face. Every year, our church family expresses fervency as we just keep going, seeking God's face. Um, Elisha, the prophet, has a conversation with Jehoiash, the king of Israel. And Jehoiash is concerned because the nation of Aram is going to come against them in battle. And Elisha instructs the king to shoot an arrow out the window, which Elisha speaks words of blessing over that arrow. And then he says, take the rest of the arrows in your quiver. Now smash them on the ground many times. And the king goes, yeah, yeah, boom, boom. He smashes them down three times. And Elisha says, well, that's okay. I really wish you would have given a little more something, something, because you smashed it down three times. So yes, you will defeat Aram, but they're just going to rise. You're going to have to defeat him again and again. And if you would have like done it five or six times, you would have just taken care of the business with them. The combination of God overshadowing and our obedience and the display of fervency is, is huge. So the team put together, can you tell what these are? Uh, the broken ornaments from the Christmas prayer tree. These are ornaments that were broken in the box as we saved them. They're ornaments that were broken Saturday night and uh, at 9.30 at the early service and on and on. And I don't know what your theology of broken ornaments would be, but I would say this, that, that these are prayers and requests. God ain't done with these yet. They might appear broken. You might have dreams and hopes that they appear broken. God is not done in your story. God is not done in your situation. I want to encourage you to continue to seek God with endurance. When you pray, let me, let me tell you this. This is a part of fervency. Get detailed. So if you're praying for a spouse, if you're praying for your own spouse, um, find a spouse someday or, or for a child, get specific. God, Talk about the attitudes, talk about the talents, talk about the, the, the kingdom of God's spirit within them. You list specifics. If you, if you want a different kind of job or different kind of atmosphere, get 
very specific about what that would be, what kind of atmosphere it needs to be, how, how far, how distant, and just, just those are the things that you need to do to display fervency. Oh, God, bless my child. It's like, that's a lazy prayer. That's the God, I, God, I trust you to overshadow. Yeah, that's, God is overshadowing. Now, now show, now get fervent in your prayer. How is this going to be a benefit and a blessing, whatever it is you're praying for in God's kingdom? And begin to list that name that God knows what it is, but this means and indicates that you are really seeking God's heart and God's mind and God's direction in this. God loves spending time with you. Don't just kind of brush things off. I prayed for this. Get into the moment. And I believe it means this. Don't just pray someplace that's your normal place where you got a bunch of other tasks to do. Go somewhere else. You can come here. I pray okay here, but then I see things I need to pick up or attend to. I got to go someplace else. You can come here. I'm going to go someplace else. Take a prayer walk. Go land someplace. And, and there are times your posture is you might sit and just listen. You might walk around. You might raise your hands in praise and triumph. You might kneel down, get on your face before the Lord and seek God's presence. You might stay in a certain posture, expression of tone. Sometimes you're going to listen. Sometimes you're going to shout. Sometimes you're going to just ponder and speak with whatever kinds of words of wisdom that God brings into your moment. Press in. Well, we've gone from understanding how God overshadows to being obedient, and now we're going to hit the P factor in hope. So you ready for this pose? Okay, it's not overly complicated. Stick, the, stick it over here somewhere, okay? All right, hang on to your pose. You go from petrified fear to power of God faith. Woo! All right, let her go. Here we go. How, the biblical study tool that we're utilizing in pulling these observations out is repetition. Every time, whether it's where the angel's talking to Zechariah, to Mary, to the shepherds, to Joseph, these things repeat. Everybody's afraid. And then everybody walks out with the power of God. Everybody's afraid, and they walk out with God's power in their midst. One of the things that God constantly does in the word of God is God will tell his people, look back. What have I done for you? What have I done for you that's been really big and significant in your past? So this is where we're going to do something a little different this year. On the flip side of that piece of paper, you write a really big praise down where God has come through. On the other side of the piece of paper, write a really big request down where you want to see God work. In speaking to some of our young adults in the last, in this fall season, even particularly some, some young men, I'm so impressed with you. And here is, talking about the theme of repetition, just, just it's not a singular incident, but it's over and over and over again, that there are people in their 20s and there are people in their 30s saying, I've given my life to the Lord and it's, it's a wonderful thing and God's done great things. But I did not have a mom or dad who modeled what in the world it meant to be someone who was a husband who honored God or a dad who honored God. I never have seen anybody do this close up. And I'm trying. I don't know how I'm doing with it. Take hope. 
God is overshadowing your situation. You walk forward in obedience. Don't, you, you might, it might be normal to be petrified with fear at first, but God is speaking into you. You can walk out with power of God faith. Friends, I want you to know that if you're a person, that the story is you are changing the trajectory of generational spirit of God, discipleship in your midst. If you're changing that, God is with you and you can walk out of here with amazing hope. And you're gonna be incredible blessing to your children and for generations to come. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Yep, they were terrified. But the angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. Oh, my friends, a savior has been born to you. A savior has been born to you. Would you tell the person next to you, remind them a savior has been born to you. Would you tell that to them right now? Good, a savior has been born to you. And, and some today, you might need to claim this. You might need to own this. You might need to be reminded of this. But maybe for the very first time, you need to say, oh God, I'm so tired of trying to be God. I'm not a very good God. You're God and I'm not. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And thank you that he died on the cross for my sins. And thank you that he rose again from the dead. Forgive me of my sins and I wanna follow you. You pray that, you state that, you're a child of God. We would love to have a conversation with you. Just indicate it on the back of that yellow card, put in the offering at the end, and we get to have a conversation with you. And if the enemy is whispering, not you, the enemy is whispering something to you right now, I want you to know this. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done, or it doesn't matter what's been done to you. Nothing separates you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It is so good. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. And this is going to be a sign to the shepherds. You're going to find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly there's a great host that appears with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on those whom God's favor rest. And when the angels left him and the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has told us about. The E factor. Next yoga pose. Okay, got to throw your head into it, okay? Throw your head into it. Pick, pick, left or right. There you go. Here's the E factor. You're going to go from everyday living to expectantly encouraged. Oh, this is, I, I, should, I should take it. You look great. You just look great with the yoga poses. Here, here's the, the, the repetitive piece that's happening. Zachariah is just doing his job and the angel shows up. Mary just seems like she's doing everyday things and the angel shows up. The shepherds are just doing what shepherds do and the, the angels show up. It's good to do just what you do and allow God to speak into your life and speak into your midst. I, I'm going to tell you about just sometimes just everyday life is just everyday life. Something I often get to do is visit people before they have a surgery or sometime when they're in the hospital. I was visiting somebody before a surgery at a surgical center. In the parking lot, I'm walking in. I'm greeted by somebody on the staff. Hello, sir. Are you here for surgery? No, I'm just coming to visit. All right. Walking at the door. Well, welcome. Uh, need to go check in for surgery, I suppose. I go, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just here visiting. And I walk up to the desk, going to find out, see, you know, what, what room the person I'm seeing is in. And goes, yes, sir, can I help you check in for surgery? I'm here to help you check in. I said, what is it about this 
that people assume that boy needs immediate medical attention. And that seems to be my, as I'm just going about my job, I'm just, just trying to do a good job at my, my, my pastor job. I'm, this is my everyday, just the everyday living stuff, you know, might as well get used to that. And just, you know, you know, it just goes, stuff goes, you know, you got, you have jobs and things go. I'll tell you another everyday living kind of story. And this is one where I felt the spirit of God really spoke to me. Uh, and I say this testimonially in a testimonial fashion, not to give you information, but you're going to get kind of information with it. I'm cutting the grass. I like cutting the grass. On purpose, I have a push mower because I like, I like doing that. I called it a prayer walk. It wasn't a prayer walk, and I was just worrying while I was cutting the grass and going, oh, Lord, what do we do about this? Lord, I'm not sure about this. And as I'm saying, what I'm saying, what I'm not so sure about as I'm cutting the grass is we're walking into a five-year capital fundraising campaign to do a lot of really neat building projects called Fully Restored. And so this is a couple months ago on, on the cusp of this, and I'm just, oh, Lord, we're trying to raise $1.75 million over five years, and they're wonderful projects, and they need to be done, and we've got to do these things. But I also know this, what I'm worried about is there's some really cool things that we all really, I think we should do that others think like it would be great. There's no indoor children's playland. I'd really love to do that. You know, we'd love to build a park in the back. Now that's not included. Wouldn't it be great to actually get out of debt? Yeah, we're not really going to reduce the debt. But we're not going to get out of debt. What do you, maybe one of those rooms down there should just be big. I'm, I'm listing all these things that are undone. You know, even if we do that, these things are undone. And I felt, so you sense the hopelessness in that moment the everyday moment, and God said, hey, I got you. What if you just knock it out of the park? I felt as if God say, said, I'm overshadowing the situation. I care about this more than you do. You just do the things that you're supposed to do with that. You have the conversations you're supposed to have, and, and you do the meetings that you're supposed to do. You just be obedient. And you don't have to be petrified with fear anymore. Walk out with power of God faith and just, I've got it. And ever since that conversation with God, my everyday living has been expectantly encouraged. And I don't know how it's going to go, but I know God's got it. I wonder about you. What is it that troubles your spirit and soul May I tell you, friends, there's no reason to be hopeless. You walk with hope that God is overshadowing you. Be obedient to wherever you need to be obedient. Don't be petrified with fear. You got the power of God. And in your everyday living, you will be expectantly encouraged. Would you stand? And we'll do a few little instructions before we decorate the Christmas prayer trees in this moment. And I want to pray for you. If they break, no worries. Whether God loves broken, God loves the broken ornaments and the pieces there. Um, so I'm going to pray. And after we pray, the children are going to come and decorate the trees first. Ushers just come down uh, real early in this process. And, and we're going to go then row by row, if you would. And up in the loft, you see where the trees are. And uh, lay your requests and place them before the Lord. Lord God, Lord God Almighty, thank you.